welcome to episode 14. Welcome to 15 minutes with the doctor, the 15 minute appointment, where we share powerful stories from healthcare entrepreneurs and innovators, so you can grow your idea of business, uh-huh, so say hello to your host, Dr. Vinay Shankar, Dr. Vinay Shankar. Today, we have Benjamin, the co-founder of MacroEyes, a machine learning company that simplifies personalised patient care. One of their products is Sybil. It's a scheduling tool that can help predict when patients are most likely to attend their medical appointments. Learn about Benjamin's background in hedge funds and finding meaningful patterns in data. Learn how Sybil works and why he wanted to address the not-so-shiny problem of patient scheduling. Lastly, I asked Benjamin, where do I start if I have an idea for AI in healthcare? I'll be sending out his answer via email to my subscribers and you can join my list through www.vineshankar.net where you'll also receive a copy of my free ebook. Enjoy the show, guys. Welcome to the show, Benjamin. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'd like to start with you telling us a little bit about your background before we move on to talk about Sybil, which is one of the products you've developed. Absolutely. So I have probably an unconventional background for doing what we are doing. I'm the CEO and co-founder of of our company, MacroEyes. And the seeds for this company really came out of a number of years that I spent at a quantitative hedge fund, first in Chicago and then in London. And I say that the seeds for this company came out of that because that's where I first began to do what is now called machine learning. So I sat in front of 12 computer monitors and looked at patterns in data all day long and worked with mathematicians, technologists, and market teams to predict patterns in data. That was our entire job. That's all we did. And that's how we made money is predicting patterns in data more accurately and faster than our competitors. And that strain, that idea of looking at multiple dimensions of data and using sophisticated techniques to think clearly, probabilistically about what is likely to happen next, that's very much at the core of what we do. Would you say that you were one of the first that were using machine learning or AI to predict patterns in the finance industry at the time? No, I would argue that like in medicine, finance has been an area where for a very long time, there's been an interest in leveraging computing power and leveraging statistical techniques to understand the world. And I think in both cases, it's because there is such an enormous amount of data and Perhaps it's sort of a human impulse to say there must be meaningful patterns in this data. Let's try to figure it out. So the company that I worked for was certainly one of the leaders in this shift, but I wouldn't say that we were the first. So you saw patterns in the vast amount of data in the finance industry, and you made that connection to healthcare. What led you to set up Sybil? Or I should actually start with what is Sybil? That's a long answer, (laughs) Um, but I'll start out by telling you what Sybil is, and then we'll talk a bit about how we got here and and a bit maybe the history of the company. So 
Sybil is a predictive scheduling product. And in essence, what it does is predicts when each patient is most likely to show and then builds a strategic schedule to maximize utilization. And you could also say minimize gaps in the schedule. So slot by slot, it recommends that best fit time for both the patient and the provider of care. And if we think about it mathematically, what Sybil is doing, the focus of this technology is to maximize the probability that exactly one patient is going to show up for each slot of the day. Not zero patients and not three patients showing up for one slot. (laughs) And I bring up this case of three patients showing up for one slot or zero because in many practices, that's what's happened is you have periods of the day where you have gaps. The organization is prepared to provide care and the patients who have scheduled that appointment don't show. And then you have other periods of the day where there has been overbooking and so there is a longer wait for patients and it makes the work of the physicians and the nurses much harder because it's much less predictable the day. It's hard for them to anticipate what's the demand actually going to be. Am I going to see 10 patients, 13, 20? And if you think about running any type of operation, the more you can anticipate the order of your day, what's going to happen, what you're going to need to prepare for, the more precise that becomes, the more efficient. So why we're particularly interested in this problem is patient scheduling is one of those things that maybe it's so ubiquitous, it's so much a part of of healthcare that maybe it gets brushed aside a little bit for some of the bigger, shinier, and I would offer perhaps more superficial problem. Scheduling is is the is the front door of care. I think we have a key problem in England, which is we don't overbook slots, but we do have a lot of DNAs or did not attend or no shows. And and we estimate, or it has been estimated that that costs 1 billion to the NHS per year. I guess that is, as well as making care more efficient, I suspect one of the goals is for you to try and reduce those rate of no shows or idle time. That's right. That's right. And I would argue that the first and most important step to reducing those no-shows is being able to identify with significant accuracy who is most likely to show up when. And when you can identify that, and identify that also without bias and really think richly and probabilistically about it, then you can come up with a very targeted intervention. So to give you an example, it's very hard to personally call every patient who is scheduled for an appointment um, in that there is just not enough hours in the day and and the people who work at clinics and hospitals are already vastly overstretched. But we can generate a list of here are the top five people who are scheduled to come in tomorrow who are most likely to not attend. So if you are constrained for time, you should focus your intervention on them. How does Sybil do that? How does it predict? What data points is it looking at to figure out who will attend or not? Sybil looks at more than 60 dimensions. And this is everything from who is the provider of care? So who are you scheduling an appointment with? To where is it located? To the weather? To some publicly available data about 
the demographics of where this care is occurring to the type of care, the cost of care, to elements of the patient history. So has this institution seen this patient before? Um, at what type of frequency? How accurate is Sybil at predicting that I will attend for this appointment at that time? So we see some variation across sites, but generally it is between 75 and 80% accuracy, which, to be very honest, still astounds me. When we first started to look at this problem, I did not anticipate that we would be able to predict outcomes with Mm -hmm. this degree of accuracy. What happens if a slot is overbooked? Is that happening quite commonly in in the US healthcare system where slots are routinely overbooked anyway? So it's not much of an issue if Sybil does overbook a slot, for example. So our goal is to minimize significantly those appointments where, again, two or three or zero patients show up. So we want the aim of the technology is to significantly increase that perfect match mm-hmm. where, where one patient shows up for one slot. So in many cases, we're reducing the number of appointments that are overbooked by quite a bit. We can, because we are able to predict who is most likely to show up when, we can match those open appointments with patients much more effectively. And I think the best way to think about this is, at least this is what happens in the United States. So today, if in the United States, I call my provider of care, mm-hmm and ask for an appointment. As long as it's not urgent care, the average wait will be 28 days. Okay. I will not be able to see a provider for 28 days. Now today, Monday, when I call that provider of care, and let's make it even more specific, let's say I call a clinic, that clinic is going to see 10, 20 no-shows. Scheduling is, in fact, incredibly complex. (laughs) I mean, just the patient schedule, we think of it as as a three-dimensional puzzle that is changing every time an appointment is made. So every time an appointment is made, that puzzle has to be refit together. And there are one, two, three slots in that whole schedule where that patient best fits. And the trick is understanding that. And that's something that today schedulers don't have the tools to think in that way. So they don't have that augmented intelligence or that augmented predictive analytics, which can help them essentially see that schedule with x-ray vision and think about it in terms of probabilities. What's the probability if that if I book Benjamin at Tuesday at 2 p.m. that he's going to show up? What's the probability that I'm going to be left with an empty slot? Also, if we step back here a little bit and, and think about some of some of the biggest companies in the world, much of what they do is scheduling. Obviously, airlines get a lot of attention for this, but I'm calling you from Seattle. And Seattle is, of course, the home of of Amazon, which employs 570,000 people across the world and is a part of many of our lives. A lot of us buy many different things on Amazon. And I would argue that Amazon is essentially a scheduling company. Much of what they do is trying to figure out how to best both match people and goods, but also people and goods over time, right? How do they get this package from that distribution center to you in an optimized way? And that involves the scheduling of many different interacting processes. Each booking of an appointment affects whether how effectively the next one will be utilized and et cetera and et cetera until you've run out of appointments you can book 
at that time. Is that correct? That is one element. And then there's the other element of trying to understand the schedule as a whole. Put very simply, how do we make best use of the resources we have? And the mandate of any healthcare organization in the world, I believe, is to provide the greatest amount of care to the greatest number of patients, the, the people who need it most. And a schedule is actually the, the mission control of that mandate. So if you use the schedule effectively, you are maximizing access to care. You're maximizing your ability to provide care. If the schedule is inefficient, you are significantly restricting the use of the valuable resources that you as a, a provider of care hold. And I think as a business, if you look at healthcare as a business, doctors, healthcare professionals, nurses, they are the most expensive part or one of the most expensive parts of the healthcare system. And if they aren't being utilised effectively, then the healthcare system is inefficient. And with increasing costs in healthcare, I think efficiency is something that most healthcare systems are striving to be better at. I agree. How much does it cost to use, Sybil? So the pricing that we are using in the U.S. is $25,000 per site per year. Our primary focus right now is on community health centers. How much did it cost you to develop and build, Sybil? That's a very good question. And the answer is, I don't really know. Um, <laughs> so, so as a company, we have been around since 2014. And the core technology, so you can think about this as the brain inside Sybil, and, and maybe I should talk just a little bit about what this does. We've been developing that for the last three, four years. And that's technology which has been deployed and refined at leading academic medical institutions on really both coasts of the United States and at one of the largest health systems in the U.S. And that technology itself is the product, the result of now more than a decade of research, which has been done by our chief scientist and a co-founder of our company, Suvrit Sra, who is a, a research scholar at MIT and a, a world-renowned expert in large-scale machine learning and optimization. So I don't know how, <laughs> how much it's cost, but I think, why don't I talk a little bit about, we talked a bit before about how there are 60 individual features that Sybil looks at. And, and I'll talk a little bit about what Sybil is doing when it thinks about these different data points. So over these last couple years, as we've worked on this core intelligence, the core structure here, so the, the heart of this intelligence is this notion of similarity. So what the technology does is understand the patient over time and then link that patient to patients that are similar. So where, you know, as an organization that has deployed this technology, where have we seen somebody like this at this point in time? You know, somebody who is receiving care of this sort. And that helps us think in a very specific manner about prediction. It's less about the average patient, and it is much more about patients specifically like this patient. And that degree of personalization, that degree of, of specificity helps to improve accuracy when making predictions. So how many patient records were analyzed by Sybil to make these comparisons or, or let's say predictions? So we estimate that it's a, it's a bit more than 500,000 medical records and 
a bit more than 2 million appointments. And I say estimate because there are physicians, physician scientists, administrators who are using this core technology to look at data that they have. And in those cases, we don't have much visibility on what they're doing with it. But the system as a whole is improving based upon these interactions. And that's, and that's one of the really remarkable things about machine learning is, is that it's not static. So and this is something else that I'll, I'd like to speak to. But for many, many years, there have been algorithms in medicine. And what's new today, and specifically around what we're doing, is that we don't come to an institution with a preset model. So we don't say, we have found that the probability of a patient not showing up is one quarter what city they live in, one quarter the type of care, and uh, one quarter the postal code. Instead, our software analyzes 18 months of historical data and learns an initial predictive model. And then when the software goes live, it continues to learn. And one way you, that you can think about continuing to learn is it continues to check in with ground truth. So what we want to ensure is that as conditions change on the ground, maybe there's, there are new traffic patterns that, that are dictating whether or not certain transportation routes will take shorter or longer periods of time. Maybe the demographics of a population change. I live in Seattle, a city which is changing very, very fast. So there are neighborhoods that probably over the last five years, the demographics of that neighborhood have completely changed. So if you are a provider of care, the population you may be serving has changed, which means, of course, that the, that population is going to behave in different ways. And we want to make sure that the software is constantly checking in and it's made a prediction, it assesses the outcome of that prediction, and then tries to learn why it might have been wrong or right. Thank you for those thoughts. Finally, where can people learn more about Sybil and MacroWise? Absolutely. There are a couple of websites. There is gosybil.com, which is the site which is just devoted to this product, the scheduling product. And there is macro-eyes.com, so that's M-A-C-R-O-E-Y-E-S.com. And then you can also follow us on Twitter at, at gosybil and at macroeyeshealth. And you can send me an email at benjamin at macroeyes.com. Excellent. Thank you for coming on the show and taking the time to talk about the things you've developed so far. Thank you. This is a pleasure. Thanks for listening to 15 Minutes with the Doctor at www.binayshankar.net slash 15 Minutes with the Doctor. Uh-huh. Dr. Binay Shankar. Uh-huh. Dr. Binay Shankar.